From WNYU 89.1 FM, this is Dirty Money. Dirty Money is a podcast about how money and capitalism influence our bodies, sex, and relationships. I'm your host, Liam McBain. This is episode six, Give Your Money to Women. That was an excerpt from Melissa Losada Oliva's If I Got Paid for All My Emotional Labor. Emotional labor is a concept that's pretty new to the public capital D discourse. It was coined by sociologist Arlie Hochschild and was meant to convey the sort of emotional regulation that workers have to do while on the job. So in practice, that's hiding when you're angry or putting on a smile when you're bored or tired or just for the sake of the job. Of course, this work is disproportionately performed by women who are constantly policed for their mannerisms and dispositions in the workplace. The term emotional labor has since been co-opted to, maybe incorrectly, include domestic management, invisible labor, and in some cases, just being there for your friends. Personally, I think that people shouldn't willingly listen to someone going through a hard time and then Venmo them for it. But as for everything else, I think that even though people are using the term differently than it was intended, it's kind of good that we're starting to recognize when people, and women especially, are expected to perform labor, in the workplace or not, for free. Women's work itself, things that we consider women's work, in quotes, I guess, or like feminized labor, is severely devalued and never actually monetized in the formal economy. So then women are then expected to perform these things as if it's part of their existence. So it's not just about handing women cash, but about recognizing all of these different forms of labor that have been exploited from women historically and continue to be exploited now. And, you know, things that have a very high value to the point that society wouldn't even function without them. So naming that and putting an actual monetary demand on it. That's Bardo Smith, a dominatrix and one of the creators of Give Your Money to Women. Started in 2015, It's a grassroots awareness campaign that has a ton of aims, but the main goal is to get women to recognize the labor they're doing and to monetize it. We're living under 24-7 global capitalism, so nothing is actually excluded from that, but, you know, we're all expected and largely forced to participate in a marketplace to exchange our kind of energy, skill, labor, and work for the resources that we need. That statement isn't controversial, but then... You can think about, for most of history, women were not actually permitted to have direct access to the medium of exchange or money in the formal economy, and so they were forced to access resources through male relatives or husbands. The Equal Credit Opportunity Act was 1974, and that was 
the first time in federal history where women were allowed to have their own bank accounts and credit cards and lines of credit that were not connected to a male guarantor. So we're still very early in the history of women having access to money so much that we're still fighting against even the statement of desire for money. So that always had put women in the position of like needing to exchange something with those gatekeepers, but never for an actual wage. So it's always been a form of like arbitrage and give your money to women is demanding an actual exchange. It's naming it as labor. It's naming it as a transaction. So what kind of things count as labor? What kind of work is it? Everything from, you know, a woman who manages her household budgets and the operation of her family, her kids' activities, the communications for her family, but doesn't work in the formal economy. So her partner can go out and work. So all of that activity, you know, we frequently just associate that with being a mom or being a wife, and we don't recognize it as an actual form of labor that exists because it's it's never actually waged labor. So that's like a huge one. I mean, bearing and raising children, that's all time and energy. Basically, we have 24 hours in a day. So the things that you're exchanging your time to do um, have a direct reflection on kind of the resources that you have access to, the money that you can generate, et cetera. So things that are determined to be of no value or a $0 amount value, but then women are expected to perform anyway, we're trying to monetize all of those things. Say people do actually put a price on those things. What would that look like? Every single person has some kind of interface with their labor being exploited from them. And especially interpersonally, you can, you can put up a barrier around your time and energy saying, I'm not willing to give you kind of something without something being exchanged with me of equal value to me. So it depends. I mean, everyone's life is different. Everyone's lifestyle is different. Every, who people are around is different. And, you know, kind of the resources they have access to is different. So, you know, what it looks like to me might be very different from what it looks like to you or somebody else. So it's hard to say, like, what exactly everyone is doing, but it's the kind of thing where even if it's not a direct demand for money, it's it's setting a standard around your own energy and time that I'm not going to exchange this energy and time and resource that I have unless I'm I'm feeling supported by that exchange. I said earlier that there are many aims. Give Your Money to Women is also trying to raise awareness of charitable waste. The other thing we really want to do is to draw attention to the issues in the charitable giving sector, and especially like kind of the waste that we see in nonprofits, and that they're not necessarily any better at getting resources to people than people are themselves to just hand resources over to people. I've personally seen this idea take hold. For example, a lot of other people in the trans community request donations to the GoFundMes or cash apps of actual trans folks instead of organizations or charities aimed at helping them. This direct access is the key. We are all about getting cash, straight cash, into the hands of marginal people. So the idea of taking the onus off of charities and off of nonprofits and putting it on like the actual community to help directly people that are asking for it is very important to us. And, you know, the people who are the most marginalized are also the most criminalized. So this is also restorative to them in a way, because instead of having to access resources through programs that are fundamentally biased against them, we're now saying, like, you can find support from within your community. Um, you can raise funds in from your own community without having to interface with some of these more violent institutions. And not only can you do that, but we want to make it so that it's socially, it's not scandalous. 
As Bardo said, under 24-7 global capitalism, we have no choice but to participate and to perform labor, with any kind of labor, emotional, domestic, invisible, whatever. We should probably all get paid for it. Want some money? Thanks for tuning in to Dirty Money from WNYU 89.1 FM. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or tune in next week from 7.15 to 7.30 to hear Episode 7, Abortion. This episode was written, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Liam McBain. Music in this episode was by Yas and Poor You. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kelly Drake, Anna Van Dyne, and Bardo Smith. Thanks for listening. Yeah, much better. Okay, good. Good, okay. Good, okay. Um, I think we're... Oh, I can hear myself on your end, though. Uh, God. Is that any better? Um, yes. Did you put in headphones? I didn't. I'm trying to find my headphones that have, like, the annoying Apple, uh, not the annoying Apple situation, so I can plug them in. It's just a constant stream of uh, technical annoyances here. (laughs) It's all good. I can't hear myself anymore, so we're fine. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, anyway. All right. Hopefully so... that, was, that will stay for a sec. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yes. Okay. Again, name, title, and pronouns. 
Okay, so my name is Bardo Smith. My title is, uh, I guess I would call myself a dominatrix, and my pronouns are she and her. Okay, cool. So can you give me a bit of your background? Um, I was wondering what would be interesting to your audience for this, because, you know, I could go on about myself in any number <laughs> of dimensions, but I don't know what, like, is necessarily relevant. Sure. Uh, like, how you started as a dominatrix, like... I don't know, like anything that might be relevant to like give women. Um, your mind. Sure. So, I mean, I had kind of the good luck of having a pretty good set of schools and went through kind of the process of graduating, going out to the workforce, um, trying to find work, trying to find work that wasn't exploiting me, um, all those fun things. And obviously had like kind of an advantage position in doing that with uh, a degree and everything else. Um, and still found kind of all of these annoyances happening to me in like pretty much every job that I had, I would have issues with men in the workplace or just constant struggles. And, um, you know, over the course of several repetitions of this, I eventually, you know, got sick of it and started looking for ways to work and generate an income that wouldn't have um, those same challenges. So that's kind of the short version of how I got from being in um kind of the tech and finances sector to the sex work side of things. Ooh, is something moving around in the back there? Uh, yeah, that, I have like a, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, if if that could be stilled for a minute, that okay. would be appreciated. Just hold on a second. You two have to go. Come on. Bye. Come on, go see Melissa. Go. Well, you gotta go. No. Yeah, we got a lot of trouble right now. Come on, please. No. Okay, you have to be quiet. Please sit over there. Come on, let's go. It's not funny. I'm staying in a farmhouse right now, and I have animals oh. and children everywhere. Oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. It's like I, you know, like the uh, the chances of of having zero interruptions was pretty slim. Right. No, that's fine. Um, sorry, I didn't realize it was kids. That's fine. Oh, no worries. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just, like, a very, yeah, I'm just an audio nerd, you know, like... No, I totally understand, um, and that was just gonna continue, so, um, it's fine. <laughs> sorry. Okay. It's not a problem. Um, all right, so tell me a bit about how Give Your Money to Women started. Okay, so, um, I had been performing online as a financial dominatrix for a few years prior, to give your money to women kind of formalizing. Um, and I had done some interesting work there involving financial technology and kind of starting to get women in the adult space to be more aware of the ways that like the digital interface was changing their relationship to clients and customers and also all these new ways to kind of monetize that. And it was catching on. And I remember it was probably like the summer of 2014 um, or late 2014, when I kind of ran into Yishin, who um, I had contacted her privately and suggested that she might be a really good dominatrix and she might want to be um, interested in kind of pursuing some work in that arena. Um, and she had already a, an established relationship with Lauren. So uh, through that connection, um, Lauren and I's work lined up as well. So... <clears throat> Give Your Money to Women happened in the spring of 2015, and it was really like the first, the kind of, uh, you know, like my work had been bleeding out of the adult space, which was 
kind of my plan from the start. Um, so once Lauren was involved, she coined the hashtag and then all of the work overlaps that we had kind of catalyzed at that point. Mm-hmm. So give your money to women is so multifaceted, but if you had to distill it down into like a few key issues and points, what is it saying? So in the piece I read in Model View Culture, you and your collaborators talk a lot about how resources are withheld from women um, and that those research, those resources should be directly given. So what would that direct access look like in, in like a model, in like a model society? Yeah. Um, so I talk about this kind of thing a lot in terms of the benefit of the doubt or like the default status in interpersonal relationships. So we see people who aren't men all the time kind of carrying the burden for the benefit of doubt that men get. Um, so like when men are disruptive or violent, we look for some kind of justification for it. Um, you know, well, you know, someone made him mad. That's why he got in a fight or his wife cheated on him. That's why he beat her. We always find like some way to justify um, the stuff that's kind of going on. So this always puts the counterparty at like a disadvantage in dealing with men. Um, and then when you factor, when you factor in that, like the stuff that is being devalued, the labor that's being devalued is actually required, um, for the economy to function, for society to function, to kind of like exploit that at gunpoint is, uh, not ideal. So what we're trying Yeah. Um, so how do other axes of oppression factor into access and how would give your money to women secure capital for women who face the most marginalization? Um, sorry, if you want to ask that again, so there's no child shaking a maraca in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me one second. Yeah. Couple more minutes, please. Couple more minutes and I'll come out. Okay. Okay. Cute. <laughs> Um, it's getting to the end of the day of the loony bin hour. Mm -hmm. so, okay, I'll be out in a few minutes. Thank you. Come on. Okay, you gotta shut the door. Thank you. No, Ruby can't get out. We'll play this later, okay? Too loud. Oh, sorry about that. No, it's okay. Um, they sound very cute. <laughs> life is, yeah, life happens. <laughs> Children are, you know, cats are hanging out, dogs are hanging out. There's just a lot of commotion. That's okay. Um. Anyway, so we, sorry, where were we? How other axes of oppression factor into, like, access to capital and how Give Your Money to Women would secure it. 
Yeah. Okay. So this is a super important issue. Um, and I think part of the limitations of give your money to women is not, we don't have an organization, you know, we're not an actual um, organization. Um, it's a grassroots awareness campaign with some direct action items. So we, the first thing we really want to do is encourage everyone to institute boundaries around their time and energy. Um, and obviously what that means for everyone is going to look different based on what their life is. Um, but basically it's so normal for women and many have like internalized that asking for anything makes you kind of like a bad or a greedy person. So no one really, no one really like thinks about it in terms of this being justice or restorative or reparative. Um, they just think about it as kind of like getting paid for something, which is, you know, it's not all that it is. Um, so we are definitely trying to, have this work on an individual level, but the other thing that it does is it generates, in a, you know, as awareness grows around these issues, um, that everything that women are doing that necessarily isn't monetized at the moment is still valuable, and they can organize around these issues um, that affect them, indivi- like, as, as groups. So, <clears throat> obviously, like, as one person, I can't institute every single program that would be helpful to people, but people know what they need and can start doing these things on their own. Hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It's a constant struggle. That's all right. Also, I don't know if you'd be like comfortable with it, but we could also like name like that your kids are there and then just like say it at the top like just so the listeners know what's going on, but yeah, that's definitely something we could do as well instead of like trying to fight it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's fine. I just usually don't, uh, like I don't, I don't usually include children in this, right. but yeah, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, okay. Yeah. So personally I've seen like the same principles of like, give your money to women spread in like queer communities. Like I've seen a lot more people advocate for sending money directly to the cash apps or GoFundMes of trans folks instead of... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, but I can't, I can't hear you. Uh, and speak up. Go back outside for a few minutes, and that is it. And you're going to go in a few minutes, and we're going to go outside. But right now, you have to play the toys. It's too loud. I'm sorry. Too loud. Okay? I'll be right back. Hi, guys. <laughs> I was supposed to have a babysitter for the afternoon, but that did not work out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Um, It's really no problem. So, yeah, personally, I've seen, like, the same principles of give your money to women spreading queer communities. Like, I've seen a lot more people advocate for sending money directly to the cash apps or GoFundMes of trans folks instead of donating to, like, trans charities. But yes. I thought I would ask what sort of response or reverberations have you seen in the years since it first began? Yeah, so we have seen the full spectrum of human emotion as a response to this. You know, we get everything from this has changed my life to you guys are greedy con artists uh, and everything in between that. (laughs) 
Um, but like, as far as our interest, When we started this, um, you know, when I started doing financial domination online, there wasn't, there really wasn't a lot of people who were just saying, give me money. It was always like, I need to book an appointment or I need to do a service or a phone call. So the idea of people making a direct demand for money and not explaining it was very new. Um, and now, yeah, as you've mentioned, it's kind of normalized out and spread out and it's, it's decoupled from the sex work aspect that it kind of started from. Mm -hmm. Um, has it changed in any significant way since 2015? Um, I mean, it's hard to say because for me, it hasn't changed as much personally, but I've seen so many different permutations kind of spin off of it. Um, when it first kicked off, people, the media kind of started covering it. Um, and then they started fake covering it. They'd cover it without mentioning us. So we've seen this whole kind of co-opting and trying to like, um, make it more respectable and dilute it to being like, well, do, you know, should we should we monetize these things or um, do people really want equal pay? And and we were always in the background saying, yes, we should monetize these things. That's that's what we're saying. <laughs> yes, we do want equal pay, but that's not enough. Um, yes, all of these things do need to be named and called as labor. Um, so we've always been saying those things in the background and kind of ignored. And I think over time, that message has been a little bit more like reincorporated into it, even the coverage that tends to come off of it, not like um, directly citing it, but it's obviously inspired by it. So that's encouraging. Um, is there anything else that I didn't cover that you think should be said or anything else you want to go back to? Um, well, I would like to say that uh, people should blow up prisons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I think I wanted to touch on, there was a part that I had written down to mention the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, which is 1974, and I want to just go back and find where I put that. <clears throat> I don't know if you'll be able to include this. statement of desire for money. And of course, like, give your money to women is, is like a hashtag and it's a movement, but really we're, we're including people who are outside of the context of, uh, you know, binary genders if they feel like they have been exploited. Because it's essentially saying, like, if you were not in this heterosexual dynamic, you were not able to access money. So we 
you know, give your money to women is trying to say, actually, everyone has a right to access resources that they need in exchange for kind of the things that they do. Mm -hmm. All right, great. Yeah, I mean, uh, I ran through all my questions. And if we went through, like, everything you want to talk about, then I think we're good. Yeah, I think that's good. If you have any, um, you know, follow-ups or any, like, holes that you think are really glaring, mm -hmm. you know, if, talking, I could just go on and leave holes and things and say things that aren't necessary. So uh, if you have any, like, follow-up, just let me know. Yeah, of course. Um, and thank you for the patience with the animal house that I live in. <laughs> it's, it's no problem. It's really fine. Um, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's a fun thing. It's just not the best for radio interviews. Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, it was good. It was great. Like, it's not even, like, I mean, I'm using really, really good headphones. So, like, <laughs> nice, nice. <Perfect. laughs> yeah, okay. it's probably not a big deal. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, thanks for talking to me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Have a good day. Have a good day. Bye.